everyone, it's Ankita. I'm the host of Gen BIPOC, and I wanted to present you all with a bonus episode while we're in between seasons. I am talking with my friend Jeff, who I've mentioned a lot over the course of the last 20 episodes. He is the reason why this podcast exists and is also up to some really great things. So I'm excited for you to hear from the original legend himself. So Jeff, could you start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you? Yeah, so my name is Jeffrey Bisoy. I go by Jeff for friends, uh, Jeffrey for strangers. I am a Carlton grad at Conquita, which is where we met and became good friends. And I'm currently the founder of an app that's launching this summer called the Plugged App, which is being built at the moment to really help you know, businesses hire diverse talent, especially Black creative talent. It's also an app where, you know, we want Black creatives to be able to brand themselves as well as being able to sell their art, their products, their services to consumers of all background and really kind of making it easier for Black talent and Black businesses to get some shine and get more interaction um, and also making a living off of it as well. My background is in media and journalism, podcasting. And so that's how I got everything started and um, been working on Plugged now for the last year and a half. So where did the idea for Plugged come from? So I think it came from, one, there's, there's the background of me being a Cameroon immigrant. Born in Cameroon, I was raised in the Twin Cities. I now live in Mexico City. So for me, growing up in the U.S., I've always been very observant. And so I would notice inequality everywhere that I went. And one of the big things for me, like one of the illusions I often use is I grew up on the east side of St. Paul. And I love St. Paul a lot. But, you know, when you're coming up on the east side of St. Paul off East 7th and you want to go to West 7th or you're trying to go downtown or you pass downtown even, there, you know, is a hill that goes into arguably the richest neighborhood in St. Paul, which is Grand Avenue um, or Summit even. So, you know, I, you know, I look at that hill to Grand and you have a lot of, you know, super big mansions, a lot of wealthy family lives up on top of that hill. And you come down from that hill. And back in the day when I was growing up, there used to be this homeless shelter right in front of XL Energy. So you're having this juxtaposition um, between wealth and class and race. You know, one neighborhood, one neighborhood, super rich, super wealthy, very white. You come down and you see a lot of black, Latino, Native American folks right next to the homeless shelter, um, or you see a lot of folks, you know, folks of color primarily um, on substance abuse. And you know, these are things that I've seen when I was taking buses to and from St. Paul to Minneapolis, basketball games, and things of that nature. And I just saw that it wasn't fair, right? So I think a lot of that came from my childhood and my upbringing. But, you know, what actually led me to plug was my own personal experience as a creative. As a journalist, as a writer, or even a podcaster, I don't think I often thought of myself as a creative, but we are, you know, we're coming up with cool ideas to record. Um, We're coming up with cool ideas to write about, things to cover. Like that takes a certain level of creativity and then to put it all together and set it out into the world. So one of the challenges that I had is I've always been extremely ambitious, extremely observant. But ambition, when you're a black man or a person of color, but especially if you're a black man or a black woman, is not often rewarded, even if you're working hard. And I thought a lot about the opportunities that I I could be getting and just how hard it was for me sometimes in some of my workplaces to just get opportunities that folks wanted me to do. Right. So people that weren't in my department would be like, yo, Jeffrey would be really great for this. Yeah, we would love Jeffrey to host this or we would love Jeffrey to participate in this. And I would often see how some colleagues of mine or you know managers would be like, no, nah, we don't want Jeffrey doing this. 
And I would get frustrated because at the time, my long-term goal was to be a host. I wanted to be a radio host or show host. I wanted to have my own show. And, you know, to be there and have and see people trying to give me opportunities and not being able to take them off my own validity, I had to go through another window, was really hard for me. And so I, I knew that right there and then at a certain point in the spring of 2019 that I was like, I need to create something that helps Black creatives like myself get opportunities. And so that summer, I connected with a few friends that I met when I was in college at, at the Kente Summit Conference, which is a college summit for Black collegiate men um, in private schools in the state of Minnesota. Because uh, I was talking with both of them, and they both had ideas about how you know, one of them was talking about like economic opportunities for black communities. Like how, how can we get more money into our communities to really uplift ourselves? You know, my other partner at the time, he was really interested in like, how can I just learn about resources and opportunities? Cause he was an artist as well. And he's like, I just feel like I'm always at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, and that's often what it is. Like people are posting opportunities on Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram and the way the algorithms are set up. If you're not there at the right time, you're missing a lot of things. Or if you're not connected with the right people that can be like, hey, I just want to let you know that this is happening. You should definitely check this out. If you're not connected to those people, you miss the opportunity completely. And so I sat us all down together because we were thinking about community. And I was like, hey, uh, can we have a brain brain session real quick and talk about all of our interests? You know, because I was really interested in storytelling and how to get more stories of Black communities out into the world. And we sat down and I was like... I feel like there's something we could do here. I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something grounded in community that we can build to really help one another. And who knows, maybe if we build it for our Twin Cities community, it's something that can grow and morph into something that goes national. There's something that can grow and maybe become international as well. And what was born for those conversations was Plugged, the Plugged app, which we designed or talked about it out it being an app to be your go-to place to experience Black creativity, Black innovation, the way that different consumers and community members, regardless of your background, could come and just be engaged with their Black communities. And so that's the thing that we've been building. You know, we were in ideation phase up until spring of, spring of 2020, actually. And, you know, we've brought a few developers onto our team as of last summer. So we've been working on a beta for some time now, and we're really excited to be able to test it out here in the, the upcoming months. That's so exciting. I feel like I've been hearing about it for such a long time, <laughs> and I'm so excited that you're into the phases of building it and being able to share more about your vision with everyone. And it's so interesting to hear how your frustrations in radio and journalism are what led you to the tech world where you're literally making an app now. So what has that transition been like to go from journalism, which it seems like you had been interested in for most of your life, to something yeah. like this? It's it's wild. I I can't believe I can't believe it either. You know, like sometimes I talk to to advisors of Plug. They're like, "Yeah, you're a tech CEO," and I'm like, "Huh? I'm a, I'm a tech what? <laughs> this this is ridiculous." The transition is is twofold for me. I think I finally got to a place where I was comfortable being more of a quote unquote techie than a journalist. I think for me, you know, having been a journalist for Minnesota Public Radio, the current um, American public media and really being developed there, because that's where I spent the formative years. Um, I did some work with Crooked Media and On Being as well, but the formative years were spent at APM. I saw myself become a very serious journalist. And with that, 
the way that I showed up in space, whether in person, um, whether online, especially more online, was really hard for me. You know, people don't really understand that that in journalism, there's a very thin line between you actually being a real functioning person in society and you just being an observer. And traditionally, newsrooms want you to be an observer because you're supposed to be, quote unquote, objective. And I put a little quotations there for folks that can't see me because I personally find that BS. I think it's very hard for anyone to be objective because you're going to be bringing your identities into everything that you do. You know, and I had a former boss, I won't say their name, who was like, you know what, Jeffrey, I I don't think you should be covering race. I was like, <laughs> I was like, why, why not? Why can't I be covering race? I think there's a lot of things that are undercovered when we talk about race. He was like, well, I would just really hate for you to be pigeonholed into this. And at the time I was still so young and I was like, does he actually really care about me and that he doesn't want me to get blacklisted because talking about race is taboo and it's still hard for a lot of people and a lot of our industries to talk about race and racism? Or is he saying this because he is potentially a closeted racist and he's just very scared of this idea? And so he sees this young black man that wants to do more race related work. And he says, no, oh, no, I don't want this. No. Or maybe it's both. You know, I, I think that's where I'm at right now. Like, I was so confused. Like, <laughs> I was like, what is he talking about? And, you know, I, I had those experiences and being so community driven as a kid, it was really hard for me to figure out how do I show up when, you know, Black Lives Matter is trending, you know, well before, you know, George Floyd was killed and Breonna Taylor and the countless others that were slain in the year 2020. And I mean, before, you know, can I post? Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Because I'm a black man. This impacts me. I've been stopped over, pulled over because someone, you know, um, racially profiled me. That's happened. So for me, putting hashtag Black Lives Matter on Twitter or social media, it's not political. It's my life matters. Point blank, period. But in the newsroom, it's like, oh, this is really political. You're going to get in trouble. There's a whole thing about not doing it, right? You can't show love for any movements. Um, You can't be showing out hashtags. I think that's changed, obviously, in the last eight months, in particular, Black Lives Matter or newsrooms, where now you have newsrooms being like, hashtag Black Lives Matter. And I'm over here like, "Uh uh-huh. Interesting. So what are you you actually going to do to make life better for your Black employees? What are you actually going to do to show up for your POC employees? And what are you going to do to create pipelines for proper diversity and inclusion? But I digress. You know, so transitioning from being groomed to not being able to talk about things that were real to me, that were important to me, that were important to people that looked like me, to now building an app and building a company that is all about community. You know, I had to have a conversation with my co-founders and other team members like, hey, can you challenge me to show up more? Because internally, anytime that I want to come out and say something that I know isn't controversial, but because I was trained to believe that it was, I'm like, no, I'm not going to tweet that. I don't want no problems. You know? And so I've had to really decolonize my mind. I'm not 100% there yet. But for Plug to be as successful as it can be, I need to go back to be Jeffrey Basoy that graduated from Carleton College. That was all about community. That was all about thinking about a lifting. And so that's the person that I'm working to become once again, because I lost myself in the sauce on my path to becoming a journalist. I think that's like the main thing that has really changed for me between the two. And I think the final thing is just 
I miss storytelling. I've always considered myself more of a storyteller than a journalist. I like telling stories. I like telling fiction stories. Like for journalism is all about facts and facts are important, especially in a world where we don't talk enough about facts and people don't believe the facts. But I've learned honestly more about life, not from the facts, not from being in academia. I learned more about life from reading fiction books. I've learned more about life from someone just writing an op-ed because they're telling real raw stories from their firsthand experience. And so I think I'm at a point now where I could potentially start doing that somewhere down the line with Plugged. And that's something that really excites me, not only for myself, but other people as well. I remember you saying a couple of years ago, we were talking about the things that we had been reading recently. And I was talking about how I was really going through a huge memoir phase and Mm. that I don't really read fiction. And you said, I only read fiction. I am just (laughs) constantly escaping my reality. I cannot do nonfiction. And that always stuck with me because I wondered, what does it say about me that I'm not really as into fiction? But now I totally know what you mean. I am just constantly seeking joy in what is not real. (laughs) And I'm only consuming (laughs) fiction now. So that really resonates with me. But I'm curious, you mentioned that you missed storytelling. Are there ways in which you've been able to bring your experience with storytelling, journalism, and podcasting to the creation of Plugged and what your vision for Plugged is in the future? Yeah, 100%. I, I think about story, storytelling all the time. You know, it is my bread and butter. You know, we we have our Kickstarter running right now. And, you know, as I mentioned to you before this, we started talking. I was like super excited because we raised $20,000 in 72 hours of us launching, which is crazy. And as we're currently speaking, we're only a couple thousand away. I think we're about 1,500 away from 30,000. In six days, that is incredible. And we have many more days to go. But you know, to get to storytelling, why those two things are, why those two things are interjected is that to be on Kickstarter, unlike GoFundMe or even Indiegogo, you have to get approved by Kickstarter. And to get approved, you have to tell a story. You have to tell a story about why whatever it is that you're creating matters. Why would anyone care about this? Why would anyone care about you? Like, why do I, why, if I'm a random person that has never met you, Jeffrey Basoy, why is this important? So, you know, as we're working about the Kickstarter with my co-founders and other members of our team, it's like, okay, we got to tell a really dope story. And it's all of us like working on this together. You know, we got to piece together a little bit of what Plugged is trying to do, piece a little together about like the current moment to remind folks like, yes, we had a hot, long pandemic summer of 2020, as I like to call it, you know, with folks protesting for Black Lives Matter across 150 cities and worldwide, right? 150 cities in the U.S. and globally. And you know, we got to remind folks because we're not in that moment. And people have a tendency of like, oh, yeah, this happened and I'm going back to life. Well, I'm sorry, boo-boo. You can go back to life, but the rest of us, we can't go back to life because we're still fighting for ours. So this is real. We're going to keep fighting for it. And so when we're trying to get that story piecing together, I was like, we have to remind folks the moment that we've been in, the moment that we passed through, highlighting a new why it's so important for an app like Plug to exist. Then, you know, digging a little bit into who is Jeffrey Basoy? Why would Jeffrey Basoy care about this? So now we're talking a little bit about my personal background as a Cameroon American, my journalism background and how we started this conversation, you know, but as it pertains to storytelling, you know, more specifically with Plugged, 
we started to invite folks to write about blackness and racism, their experiences with racism and things that they've witnessed, experienced, heard, et cetera, over the summer. You know, when George Floyd was killed by Minneapolis police, I was in Mexico City. I reside in Mexico City, but I got love for the cities and I always will. And one of the hardest things for me being far away was that the Twin Cities is my home. I got friends that are activists. I got friends that love volunteer, that love showing up for this type of stuff, right? If I was still at Minnesota Public Radio, I probably wouldn't have been invited to even be present, which would have been hard, right? And now I'm thousands of miles away. And so I set my team together. I was like, hey, this is happening. What can we do to be present? We don't got the app yet. We barely launched a website. We only had like 150 or 200 followers on on Instagram, barely 100 on Twitter. You know, I was like, what can we do? Everyone pauses. And then I'm finally like, look, let's start a blog. They're like, why? Why do we got to start a blog? I was like, we need to document this moment. This is historical. If we're going to be a black organization that's trying to uplift and empower the community and provide opportunities, we also need to be in documentation mode, in documenting this current moment. The reality of it is people are going to go back and be like, well, plugged, where were you when all this was going down? You know, not that that was my, my my main focus, but that's what is going to happen. And so I was like, we need to show up. And me being so far away, I needed to show up. I needed to feel like I was doing something that was somewhat helpful. And so we started a blog called Views from the Revolution, where, you know, I wrote a piece about what it was like watching my city burn from afar. You know, a lot of folks don't know this about me, but I, when I was a kid, I grew up on the east side. But when I was a kid, I lived in North Minneapolis and South Minneapolis for five years in total before I moved to St. Paul. And from like age six to age eight or nine, I lived in South Minneapolis, uh, Chicago Avenue and 24th, you know, literally like 14 blocks away from where George was killed. You know, so a lot of this is really fresh for me. So we started this blog. We invited folks to write, folks that had protested folks that were starting to tackle racism, racial inequalities in medical school, folks that, you know, have started to awaken kind of like their wokeism, if you will, and like trying to understand, like, where do I feel? Where do I fit in through all of this? Like folks that hadn't typically thought about how their blackness impacts them on a day to day. You know, a few of them talked about what it was like in that particular moment, you know, and it was really great to have such raw vulnerability. And it was in that moment that I was like, this is really powerful. And whatever we end up developing with the plugged app, down the line, long-term visions for this is that we got to have a plugged media where we are dedicated to telling stories of our Black communities, of the joy, of the love, of the occasional sadness and the historical things that have happened. We got to have all of that. You know, and so down the line, I would love for Plug to be able to tell these stories and not only about our U.S. Black communities, but worldwide communities. Because there is such a diverse blackness. Blackness is not monolithic. And there are so many stories, identities, things that we can learn from one one another. But right now, there's not a single way, shape, or form to do all of it at the same time. So when I look at post a plugged app, what will come? Plugged media for sure. Podcasting, videos, writings, news. It's not, not likely not going to happen for you know three, maybe even five years because it takes a lot of money to do a full media company. But that is what we're going to hope to transition into over the next 10 years. So your efforts on social media, in addition to the blog post, 
are forms of media for sure. Have you noticed that they've helped with your reach and communicating what plugged is to people? I would say yes and no. You know, I would say yes in the sense where, you know, black creatives or black businesses like they they slide into the DMs like, yo, can I get featured? Can I get featured? And we're like, yeah, for sure. We love featuring folks, right? Because we're also in the community building business, right? We're in the networking business. And so for an app like this to be successful, you need a large community, you know? And I think now we've kind of like worked to switch up our strategy a little bit where we do features, but then we also just celebrate blackness in a way that we weren't doing before. Because before we were only doing features, you know, every day was a feature basically. Um, but now it's a little bit more variety. You have features someday, you have some poetry on the other, some videos here and there. And I think that's really helped folks to really get a deeper sense of the versatility of what Plug can be. You know, I think I was a little bit fearful initially, um, maybe like this past summer, after I was having conversation with potential investors that just didn't understand Plugged, right? Like I will start introducing kind of, you know, we help businesses hire black talent, da 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 da. They're like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we need that. We need that. Yeah, we, we struggle with that. And then I would continue and I would explain the larger vision of how we're trying to become the go-to app for folks to engage with black creativity and innovation and how, you know, we, we would like to do, we would like to go from recruiting and like employment to then go into events and then go into a marketplace and then go into media and other things, right? They would go over their heads. They couldn't conceive it. And so I've worked very hard to try to simplify our message because I don't want people to be lost to be like, oh, this is too much. And so it's been kind of like the the touch and go, like, okay, are we doing too much right now where people are getting lost with the message or what we're trying to do or who this is for? Can we add more things or how can we make it so folks can get a glimpse of the vision while also being present minded with what we're currently going through? How are you able to focus your vision to propose to Kickstarter your idea in a way that made sense that eventually got it to be approved? Yeah, it was it was really talking about the present more so than anything, because I learned, you know, over the past few months of just talking with a bunch of people. The folks that often understand Plugged are the people that would benefit the most from it. You know, when we talk to black folks about Plugged, they're like, yeah, I get it. And are there black investors? A hundred percent. But black investors, if you look in VC, black investors make up roughly 1% in the VC world. So that means if we want to raise serious capital down the line, we very likely have to go through white VCs or angel investors. That's just a reality. And so you have to learn how to dumb things down <laughs> in order for them to comprehend where you're currently at and where you would like to go. And so when we were working on the Kickstarter, it was a lot of, okay, what are we currently doing? What do we currently need? That's not looked into 10 years. What are we doing now? And what do we need? Because we have a launch this summer. And the thing that we're building now is that, well, we've been working on a beta for the plugged app. And the things that we're focusing on in building this Black ecosystem, you know, this go-to place to engage with Black communities, is we're starting with employment. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how since 2000, because of racism, racism has cost the U.S., in particular, racism towards Black communities, has cost the U.S. $16 trillion 
since 2000. Yeah, let's throw those facts out there. And let's also talk about how if we all step up and do what we have to do, we can see an economic boost of $6 trillion. For folks that aren't following at home, do be mindful that the U.S. government is in a multi-trillion dollar deficit. So you do the math. There is a huge untapped potential in our Black communities. And so we wanted to highlight that. Like, this is how Plug can help our economy. This is how Plug can help you that are really trying to figure out how you're going to do with diversity and inclusion. Um, so we were really present-minded about that. And that was a study by uh, Citigroup. Citigroup came out with that study, I believe, last summer or summer of 2019. As I mentioned before, like we talked about Black Lives Matter and we talked about the moment that we're in. And so we really just try to be very present and not projecting too much. And then we talked about the needs of the immediate, because the moment that we start talking too deeply, you lose folks. It's all about find, like being focused about what are you currently doing? What are your current goals? Let's not talk about plug media here because you're going to lose everybody. And maybe the interest is not in plug media. Maybe the interest is quite literally only in how can I recruit more diverse talent? And so that's where we were at. How can we meet the intersection? Have you found that from potential investors that you've spoken to or to other folks who to whom you've been explaining plugged that they are genuinely committed to connecting more black folks with their organization and in their hiring process? Or do you think they're just paying lip service to this idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion? You know, that is the the trillion dollar question right there. And I, I honestly sixteen trillion dollars? That is a sixteen <laughs> trillion dollar question right there. And the thing that I can say is I, I don't know. I, I think we all saw it over the summer with, you know, Black Lives Matter. A year and a half ago, posting hashtag Black Lives Matter was liable to get you fired. <laughs> or like, what are you doing? You know, the, we were getting mad at Colin Kaepernick kneeling at football games. People still get mad at that. But even an organization that has been so terrible towards Black communities, like the NFL, came out with, we're in support of Black Lives Matter. So saying Black Lives Matter and painting it out there, getting a little slogan or whatever, is now the lowest bar that you can be at, right? You can put a little flag outside. Don't mean that you're really down. That's just the, the easiest way to say, I'm not a complete racist, or I'm not completely a white supremacist, or we actually do kind of believe in social impact. But the reality of it is, Putting a statement like that does not mean anything because everybody in their mama's doing, including folks that were not doing it when Trayvon Martin was killed, that weren't doing it when Mike Brown was killed, that weren't doing it with countless men, women, trans, black folks were being slain over the last decade. And so when I talk to folks, you know, I've, I've, I've had a chance to talk to different business owners and Fortune 100s, Fortune 500, small business owners. From those folks that I've spoken to, They've been very straight up and saying, like, this is something that we're trying to address. You have organizations like Salesforce that are like, we're committed to investing $100 million, or I think it's $10 million or $100 million, to Black and brown communities over the next decade. And I've talked to a few folks at Salesforce, and it doesn't feel like lip service. They're really out here looking for it. You have organizations like Target. You know, and Target was directly impacted. Folks who can remember some of the videos of the looting and things that happened in South Minneapolis, like Target, which is a Minnesota company, also came out with a statement that they were going to do something that was social impact or racially motivated to support the movement and empower Black communities. I don't think that's lip service from Target. 
But I think what does need to happen is organizations and startups like mine, others that have been in the game for a very long time, that have either a Black-centered or Black-led initiative, Black-focused, or a POC-focused, we need to put pressure on these organizations to be like, hey, we're doing this incredible work. I need, I'm, I'm trying to invite you to the dinner table. So are you going to accept my invitation or not? Nah? Or are you just going to go out there and broadcast, like, we're going to be doing this just to appease folks and make you feel woke and make you feel like you're actually showing up for social impact? So the door is open. You know, I always tell folks the door is open at Plugged. And we actually have our eyes out for organizations that have had statements in support of Black Lives Matter because we want to work with corporations because Black creatives and Black talent, they're looking to get hired. They're looking to get contracts. They're looking to get gigs. And we're trying to make it easier for them to get those. So we need to be in conversation with these different businesses, Black-led businesses, white-led businesses. It really doesn't matter. We need to be in conversation with folks that have said straight up, Black Lives Matter. All right, you say that. Show me how it matters to you. You show me how it matters to you. Let me help you out and find these talents because these talents have been searching for you for a very long time. They're not hidden. But let's make it easier for you. Have you been getting paid for this? Have you found funding in any way? Or is this something that you do outside of any other full-time obligations? I have made zero dollars from Plucked, you know, and and I think I have to be mindful. You know, I want to share this with folks that, you know, might be interested in, in, in their own startup. It doesn't necessarily have to be tech, but just interested in their own business. Like ideation takes a very long time. It is not easy. Like you might have the greatest idea on earth. You know, we thought we had the greatest idea with Plugged. I still think we have a great idea. I'm on this conversation with you right now. But you need to really sit down and think about your business strategy and your business plan, right? So whether you're a nonprofit or you're a for-profit company like we are, we're an LLC right now, but we would like to you know, grow into a corporation. We had to define like, well, how, how do we make money? You know, how is that going to work? We had to be very specific about who is our audience. It may seem easy and be like, well, Black communities, yes, but Black communities is also vast. There's a lot of black people. So you had to be a little bit more specific and you can always grow. You can always grow into getting all of the black community involved. You can. But for us, we we're like, we want to start with black creatives. You know, these filmmakers, these audio engineers, the writers, the copywriters, the administrative assistants, like the folks that are always in need of like the next hustle or the next gig or the next contract where there's not quite literally like, you know, if you go and you code, shout out to the coders out there. But if you go and you code and you study that, you can go somewhere and be like, I code, I program, bam, you can get a job that pays you 50K minimum. It's a very clear path. But if you come out of college or whatever and you say, I'm a writer, okay, do you do more marketing, journalism? Are you a short story person, poetry? There's so many different options and there's not exactly a lane. So the only way that you can create a lane for yourself is one, Cat Williams just to say, you got to be in tune with your star player. I'm not going to curse on your podcast, but you got to be in tune with your star player. But yeah, you got to be in tune with yourself. Where do you want to be? Right. For me, I want to be in journalism. So then you identify where you want to be. And then two, you figure out, okay, now how do I get there? Who do I need to talk to? Where do I need to apply? Right. So that's the steps. And those are the type of things that you have to be thinking and strategizing about when you're starting to build a business. And so ideation for Plugged took us a long time. 
because it was such a massive idea, which is good. Having a long vision is a very good thing. It's not a bad thing. But once you get to the point where it's so massive, it's a point where you're like, okay, all right, let's bring it back down to earth. Where are we starting to get there? You got you to gotta start building your ladder back down, right? You got to say, what is the starting point? That's where we're trying to get. Let's start there. Bam. Okay. We're going to focus on this for the, at this amount of time. This is how we're going to grow from a business side. This is how we're going to grow from a tech side. Okay. After you get to that point, we're going to get to this next phase and then this next phase. And that's how you grow a nice proper business, right? Always having something that's coming up next, but also giving yourself a timeline. So when I look at like the vision of Plugged and you know how we got to where we're at right now, like I said, we have made zero money because as of right now, we were an ideation. You know, our entire team, myself included, my co-founders, our team of developers, all of us are volunteering for this right now. The goal, obviously, is that once we get paid, like I mentioned, we have our Kickstarter currently happening. 15% of what we're getting from our Kickstarter is going to go to our team because it's a way for me to at least say thank you for putting countless hours into this project, for not only believing in me to lead this, but more importantly, for you to believe in this app. That could be transformative. And of course, once we're able to generate more revenue, because what comes after the Kickstarter is we are going to go back to our investors and like, hey, we met this goal. We got our beta. We're doing this. We're doing this. Now it's a lot easier for us to go to investors and be like, this is what we've done. Will you be part of the movement or will you not be? And at that point is where we can actually start hiring folks and really start generating more revenue and do exactly what we set out to do. But it's a step-by-step process. So it's been hard. I'm not going to lie. There are days, I honestly feel that there are days where I, I feel like I'm going crazy. Like I got to say thank you to God. I got to say thank you to my moms. I got to say a major thank you to my fiance, who I don't know how she does it because I know I drive her crazy. Like there are days I just look at a wall and I'm just, and she'll be talking to me straight up. She'll be talking to me. I don't respond. Not because I don't want to respond because I didn't even hear her because I was so deep into my thoughts. And, you know, I've worked really hard with mental health for myself. Like I've been working on my journaling. I've been praying more. I've been trying to make sure I set some boundaries as far as like how late I work, especially because I'm in a relationship. So it's really important that I make sure that I can be at least somewhat romantic. I'm not the best romantic right now, but, you know, at least someone present in our in, in our romantic life. You know, so those different type of things are really important as well for us and, and especially for me to continue staying sharp um, and showing up for our communities. Well, I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to see where Plugged takes you. Are there any final thoughts that you want to share about Plugged? And also, where can listeners learn more about Plugged? What are your social media handles? Where can we find you? Uh, 100%. This has been incredible. So I want to say thank you for having me as your bonus episode. Yeah, and Ankita's come so far. She got bonus episodes. <laughs> like, this is, this is crazy. Yeah, the tables have really turned. <laughs> <laughs> Look, she's a she's a pro now. She she said I got her started, but I'm over here learning from her. She was over here like, make sure you got a quiet room. I'm over here like, yeah, is my, is my room quiet? <laughs> but no, seriously, I I'm, I'm really thankful for you to take the time to tell my story, to tell our team story, and for those of you listening, I get, I oftentimes get the question, especially from non-black people, like, well, when Plug launches, like, will I be able to use this? And my answer to this is yes. Do you enjoy black culture? Do you enjoy Black innovation, Black humor? Do you enjoy just things that are fresh and new? If the answer is yes unanimously, yes, you can pull up to the plug down. And in fact, we want you to pull up because it makes it easier 
for these Black creatives, innovators, and entrepreneurs to get their work out into the world and also make a living. So when Plug launches, like, we want you to be out there. We want you to b- build relationships with the next hot artist, the next TikTok star, the next hot entrepreneur. We want you to be on there supporting them, rooting for them. And at the end of the day, you might also feel good about yourself. Like, I did something to really help out someone else that wasn't just me. And I think we all have a responsibility to our communities. And, you know, and I'll, I'll use the example of like Black History Month. Like, people are like, oh, yeah, Black History Month, everything is Black centered. I'm like, well, Black history is American history. Black history is global history. It's not just our history. It's, it's your history, too. In other words, our ecosystems and the way that we live, we live side by side and we all need each other to be able to strive. So I 100% invite you to use the plug app, and, you know, there is a space for you there. And the way that you can engage with us right now until the plug app is there and available is we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Um, you can follow us at the plugged app. Nothing funny, nothing special, just plugged like I plugged that in last night at the plugged app you can you can go on there follow us please um, our Kickstarter is live we have our Kickstarter and all of our bios so feel free to check that out if you want to support um, you can follow me as well at the Jeff Bisoy the T H E Jeff J E F F and then my last name Bisoy which is B I S S O Y show your brother some love a lot of hard work we've already put into this um, a lot more hard work that we have yet to go through for the next few months. And we got a launch happening after the Kickstarter, you know, when we're going to succeed in reaching $100,000 by the end of March. After the Kickstarter, you know, then it's strategizing about our launch this summer. So we all want you to be part of this journey towards launch. So follow us, show up some love, slide into my DMs. I'll try to respond as soon as I can. Thank you so much. And you can also find the Kickstarter link in the show notes for as long as it's live, just to make it a little bit easier for everyone to find. And thanks for chatting with us and telling us more about your vision. I appreciate you, Ankita. You take care. You stay safe. I'm going to try. I'm just staying inside. (laughs) (laughs) Wear your mask, people. If you're a fan of Gen BIPOC, subscribe to us on your podcast app, share this episode with your friends and family, and give us a rating or leave a review for future listeners. And if you or someone you know wants to share their story on this podcast, don't hesitate to reach out. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Gen BIPOC Pod, and visit genbipocpod.com to stream more episodes and provide feedback. We'd love to hear from you.